the audience that has just joined us and say thank you for tuning in today. We just now come on. And so we want to ask God's blessings upon you today. We want to pray and believe God that no matter what you're going through, no matter what your difficulty may be, no matter what your mountain may be, we believe in God. He's going to move your mountain because greater is He that's within you than He that's within the world. And if God be for you, who can be against you? Amen. As I just shared this testimony. This is one of many. And then there's Eve Glover sitting right there on the second row. Uh, melanoma, six weeks to live. But you know what? That's been 20-something years, and she's sitting here whole and no trace of melanoma in her body. God is God right here at Experience Life Church, and we're so glad that you're here, and we're glad to have our guest with us. Michael and Stephanie Rowan. I've known Michael since he was way uh, young, and uh, I'll never forget a conversation he and I had on their back porch in McKeesport, Pennsylvania. I'll never forget that uh, uh, conversation we had. That was a year or two ago. Uh, a few years. Actually, it was 1985, I believe it was, 85 or 86, somewhere along in there. I was preaching at Pastor Al's church in uh, McKeesport, Pennsylvania, and uh, I had an, a, a conversation with him, and I'll never forget that. And I'm blessed that he's following, not in his dad's footsteps, but he's following in the footsteps of Jesus, of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Been around the world done many things for God but the main thing it's not what he's done it's what he's doing and he's married to a lovely lady Stephanie and we're so glad you're here Stephanie let's give Stephanie a big hand and I'm sure Michael is going to want to uh, introduce her when he comes but I want you to open your heart and receive from the Lord today and Let's bless our guests let's just receive and you that's viewing by the internet this I want you to open your heart and you get ready because this man's preached all over the world. He's a young man, but he's preached all over the world and he's preached here in Dallas many times. This is his first time in experienced life, but let's welcome our guest this morning, Pastor Michael Rowan. Amen. Can you keep it going for Jesus? Come on, everybody in the house. <laughs> oh, come on, that's good for a mayor or a senator. I'm talking about the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Lily of the Valley, Sweet Rose of Sharon. Give him praise. <laughs> hey, look at somebody and say, Jesus is. Oh, that was pitiful. Say, Jesus is the best thing that has ever happened to me. If you believe it, make some noise one more time. Amen. So glad to be here. And uh, it's so awesome to see all my old friends and uh, to see some new friends. Uh, we're just so privileged to be here. As Pastor said, we have been uh, a few places around the globe, been to 48 out of 50 U.S. states, five out of seven continents. We'll get that last one in in November when we head to Africa. But uh, always great to just minister here at home. And uh, also for you that are watching on the internet, man, God bless you guys. Thank you for being here and joining with us. As Pastor said, you know, when the Bible says the gospel is going to go to the ends of the earth, how many of you know that wasn't just in buildings? We're putting this all over the globe. Come on, somebody. And so glad that you joined us today. Glad to have my parents with me. Give wild applause to Pastor Al and Linda Rowan. Wouldn't be here without you. Uh, and as Pastor said, my beautiful wife, uh, we, uh, uh, some of you know her testimony. For those of you that don't, she was Mrs. Ohio and went on to Mrs. America. Uh, the Bible says when you found a wife, you found a good thing. I found a real good thing. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on. Jehovah Jireh. Amen. But uh, so glad to have her with me. Uh, and also, would you honor your pastors? Come on, guys. Pastors Don and Sharon Clowers. Amen. 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 How many of you know you ought to thank God for your pastors because they're God's gift to the church? And you guys have some wonderful ones. Uh, before I get into the word this morning, I just wanted to let you know out in the lobby afterwards today, we have a few of our resources with us. We do this for two reasons. How many of you know we can't give you everything that God has put inside us in one service? That's impossible. 
That's the first reason. The second reason that anything that we can do to expand the gospel, does that make sense? And so these uh, discs have been all over the world, places where I may never even darken the door. It's a great way to take me home with you without having to feed me, amen. But uh, the first one's in called The Jonah Effect. How do remember the story of Jonah? Raise your hand nice. Pastor Sharon, Jonah was not a bad guy. He gets a bad rap. He was actually one of the most powerful evangelists of that day. We all know the story. God told him to go to the evil city of Nineveh, cry out against it. He got scared and went to Tarshish. And because he did that, God took him on a Mediterranean cruise. Amen. In the digestive tract of a fish. And this is the message the Lord gave me. Everything was fine. Then Jonah got on board the boat. Here's a word for somebody today. If you've been facing storms in your life, if you've had things going wrong, things have been generally unfocused, let's just say you've had a lot of bad weather in your life. You better look at who you recently brought on board your boat. Don't make me preach that. Jonah told him what to do. He said, listen, you're in the middle of this mess right now because of me. He said, you're in the middle of this calamity. This storm that you're experiencing right now is because of me. Throw me off the boat. Everything will be fine. But we all know they tried to be nice and keep on rowing. But the Bible says that the storm increased. It got bigger. So here's a word for somebody. You can row your boat all you want to. Until you throw Jonah off, you're going to continue to have a jacked up forecast. Amen. And I don't know what your Jonah, maybe your Jonah's a secret or a sin or a relationship, but sometimes Jonah's got to go. Uh, this one's called How to Survive Stress. I'll just turn around and talk to myself. I guess I'm the only one going to be honest in church. How I many you know when you got saved, that didn't make you bulletproof from the pressures and the trials of life? We still have bad days. We still wake up on the wrong side of the bed. How many of you have kids? Raise your hand nice and high. That's enough to get the disc right there. Amen, don't you? <laughs> Uh, look at some of them acting all spiritual. As some of you got cut off last week going to work, and you said, "Hey, go to heaven." You know, so God gave me three simple ways that you can overcome stress in your life, Pastor Don. This is called Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. I thought it would be fun to take all seven dwarves and relate them to people in church. Dopey, grumpy, sleepy. Just look straight ahead. Nobody will know I'm talking about you. How many of you know that God is coming back for a spotless snow white bride? Come on, somebody. He's coming back for his church. So many times we don't look like snow white because we're acting like dwarves. I'll just leave that right there. This is called stiff neck people. I preach the whole message in a neck brace. It's hilarious. <laughs> you say, why do you preach it in a neck brace? Because let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever been in church? You felt the spirit of the Lord was telling you to do something, but you didn't want to do it. Give that in the offering respond to that altar call make it right with that person and we just tense up well when God looks down in the spirit I believe that's what we look like just resisting what he's trying to do in our lives this is called the human side of ministry I ain't going to tell you about it because you're about to hear it we did a three-part series at our church years ago that revolutionized the prayer life of our church uh, how many of you believe that there is a vast chasm of misunderstanding in the body of Christ about prayer and how prayer works Pastor Sharon, I was talking with a pastor. This happened. I was in Seattle. And he said, well, Michael, I love praying, but you know, it's just not that big of a deal. People, can I tell you, prayer is the most powerful weapon that you have as a believer in the body of Christ. If you don't know how to pray, you don't know how to do nothing. And so if you think about this, the disciples walked and talked with Jesus. They, they saw him walk on water. They saw him cast out devils. They saw him raise the dead. Never one time did they say, Jesus, teach us how, how to do those miracles. They saw him preach the Sermon on the Mount. Multitudes came from all over. No greater preacher on the planet than the Son of God. Not once did they say, teach us how to preach. What they say? Teach us how to... Because they saw that was his power. That was his anointing. That was his authority. And I had someone come to me and say, well, God's supposed to answer all my prayers. No, 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 friends. There's nowhere in the Word that you can find that he promised. Matter of fact, there's prayers in the Word of God that he ignored. How many of you know you got... There's stuff you got to do, Amen. Why is God going to listen to you if you don't do what he says to do in his word? So I found five things that you need to do in the word of God. Now I'm about to really mess somebody up. If you're not doing all five, you're wasting your breath. You're literally wasting your time. But if you do these five things, you have every right to believe that God will answer your prayers. As a matter of fact, if you do all five of these things, it's not even on you anymore. It's on God. And so there's a three-part series out there. We got a disc on loneliness. Uh, we have our live worship CD out there. We have 12 discs in all out on the table. These discs are normally $20 a piece, but for you guys today here, $19.99. And it's very rare that we do that. <laughs> I'm just kidding you. Actually, uh, we do have 
12 discs out there, and they are $20 a piece, but um, if you buy the entire collection, you get it for 99 bucks. So 99 bucks gets you the entire table, the worship disc, all 11 sermons, saves you about 140 I think you get over half the discs for free, and it helps our ministry to continue to do what we do. And then last but not least, my wife and I do a weekly program called Heart to Heart, and so if you're ever uh, at home on a Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, uh, it's on Roku TV, it's on iTunes, it's on YouTube, uh, and it is a little 30-minute program that we do every Wednesday night together, and we topic, you know, we cover topics like marriage and family and health and things like that. We'd love to have you join us some Wednesday night. Take the hand of the person next to you right now. We're going to ask the Lord to bless our time together. Would you do me a favor? Don't listen to me pray, but lift your voice and pray with me. Here we go. One, two, three. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for this great house. I thank you for the pastors and the leadership. I thank you for uh, our guests today. I thank you for uh, us as the family of God, even the thousands watching by internet, Father. We're the family of God. And Father, I thank you for what you did last week and last month and, and maybe even last year. But Father, we're not satisfied with the blessings of the past. We want you to do it again. Do it again in our hearts and do it again in our lives. And after it's all been said and done and we leave this building today, let us know that we know that we know we've been in your house. Let us know we've been in your presence. We believe it and receive it. And Father, I thank you in advance for the work that you're going to do today. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, make some noise one more time for the King of Kings. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Jordan. How many feel good today? Raise your hand. All right. How many look good? Raise your hand. All right. How many know the person next to you lied? It's okay. Go ahead. Raise your hand. No, I'm going to want to give you today, it's not a, a long word, but hopefully a strong word, and, and I've entitled it the human side of ministry. There are two great confessions in the Word of God. Uh, one is Peter's great confession. You all know the story. It's Matthew 16 and 16, and Jesus is talking with the disciples, and he says, uh, who do men say that I am? You all know the story. They start barking out their answers. Well, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're a prophet. Then he gets to what he really wanted to say, uh, and he says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter immediately immediately blurts out, Thou the Christ, Son of the living God. And Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. I'd like to translate that. What he was really saying is, Peter, you're too stupid to get that on your own. My dad had to tell you that. I mean, come on. We can sit here and King James versionize it all. Thou the Christ, Son of the living God, flesh and blood did not. But he was really saying, Peter, you're a fisherman. There is no way on your intellect you would have ever arrived at that statement. My father had to reveal that. to you. How many know some things you get by information, other things you get by revelation? Amen? And when Peter said, Thou art the Christ, Son of the living God, it is a powerful statement. Peter's great confession. It's preached. It's a foundation of our faith. But I want to submit to you today, experience life and those watching on the internet, that there's another great confession in the Word of God. And I like to call it Paul's great confession. And it's found in the book of Acts. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn quickly to the book of Acts, chapter 14. And in the 15th verse, I see some old school Bibles flipping pages. That's awesome. I see some new school Bibles that are glowing. Amen. That's good too. Some of you charged your Bible this morning. Amen. <laughs> but get you an old school Bible sometime and now and then. Amen. Hard to fight a demon on 5%. So you want to make sure that you also have an old school. Pastor, I had a guy come to me and say, I was doing my devotions, but I had to stop because my Bible went dead. There's a problem with that, right? So whether it's old school or new school, Acts 14 and in the 15th verse, Paul says these incredible words to the Iconians. He says, hey, we are but men human like yourselves. Now, when I talk about Peter's great confession, uh, it's, it's, it's a very famous, well-known passage of Scripture. Uh, Pastor, in my 30 years of ministry, I've been to camp meetings, I've been to revivals, I've been to conferences, and I've seen people use that text, and, you know, it was a camp meeting, Holy Ghost, and they had the Hammond B3 organ going behind them, and I've seen them say, and Peter said, Thou art the Christ, Son of the living God, and everybody's like, Wah! right? But when I give you Paul's great confession that he said, hey, we're just men, human like yourselves. Nobody wants to shout. What's my point? My point is we don't have any, any problems talking about Jesus and proclaiming Jesus, but we got big time issues talking about ourselves. 
And what happened in this scripture is Paul was one of the disciples. He knew that when he went to Iconia, they were going to have a tendency to put him up on a pedestal. He knew because Jesus had ascended and the disciples were adding to the church and miracles were happening. They were doing tremendous things. And so Paul knew that when he, when he arrived at Iconia, they would say, that's Paul. He, he was one of the 12 disciples. He, he, he was one of Jesus' 12. And, and they would have an inclination to maybe kind of elevate him and exalt him a little bit. And Paul was saying, no, 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 don't do that. I'm just a man, human like you. Can I tell you something, church? There's something going on in the body of Christ today, and it's troubling, it's disturbing. We've got these men and women of God, and, and I, I think it's awesome to have worldwide ministries, but we have all these men and women of God, and, and they have their jets, and they have their armor bearers, and they have people to you know, carry their bag and give them a tic-tac. I think it's ridiculous. We had to thank God that he lets us sit here today and do anything for him at all. Come on, somebody. If God never does another thing for you, he's done enough. And what happens is we put these men and women of God up on pedestals, uh, and they have partners, and they have this and that, and, and television, and then when the inevitable truth comes out, that some of them are just normal, and they have bad days, and they make mistakes, and they have flaws, and, and, and dare I say there's even a failure, then the entire body of Christ is running around confused. Why? Because they put their faith in the person and not in God. I was a pastor on staff at a church in this city uh, uh, for many years, uh, was one of the pastors at a church across town, uh, 69th largest Pentecostal church in the world. Uh, I call it Six Legs Over Jesus. It was a big church, okay? Uh, and the dynamic was a little bit different than in most churches, most churches that are smaller. Uh, you'll, you'll see your pastor. You can meet the pastor. You can talk with the pastor. Uh, you know, today, pastor is here. The first lady is here. You could, you could go up afterwards. You can give them a hug around the neck and say, Pastor, I love you. Thanks for being our pastor. And, and they'll talk with you. The dynamic was a little bit different at my former church. There were 10,000 plus people there. There were multiple services. There was security and they had the jackets and the earpieces, you know, and, and it was hard to get to the pastors and I didn't understand that. I, I love people. That's why I'm in ministry. I love people. I was always out in the parking lot, Pastor. I was in the lobby. I was shaking hands and kissing babies and high-fiving people, and, and, but it was just difficult to get to the pastors. We were a little more unattainable and I'll never forget I was literally just right down here off the highway in a Target one day, and, and I was just kind of bebopping down the aisle with my cart, and a lady that went to the church saw me, and she came up, and she said, Pastor Rowan, she said, it's really you, and I said, yeah. She goes, oh my goodness, you're here, and wow, I've never been this close to you before. I, I attend the church, and wow, you're a lot taller than you look on the screens at the church, and this is a you're here, and I'm here, and wow, what are you doing here? And I said, I'm buying toilet paper, amen. I might get crazy and get some toothpaste and dental floss. And it blew her mind that I was just out doing regular things. Friends, can I tell you, just because we're Christians don't mean we're not normal people. Come on. Just because we're Christians don't mean we don't have bad days. We don't slip up. We don't trip up. We, don't, we, we beat our kids, right? We fight with our spouse. We lose our temper. We wake up on the wrong side of the bed. And, and how many know just because you love Jesus doesn't mean that we're not normal people? And Paul said to the Iconians, hey, we're just men, human like yourselves. Can I offer two things today to deny your humanity? It's not only untruthful, but it's a disservice to yourself and the people that you could possibly serve. The second proposition I want to give you is that your human side is actually one of the greatest assets that you have in ministry. Can I say this? People don't relate to perfection. They relate to humanity. How many remember old school testimony services? Come on, somebody. Remember that? Back in the day, if you're watching on the internet, old school testimony services. I remember my dad used to give these growing up. Pastor would get up and say, well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Who's got a testimony? And there she'd be. And I remember this lady in our church, she'd get up every single time there was a testimony, and she would run through this perfect life. It was depressing. I mean, it wasn't encouraging. It was depressing. She'd get up and say, well, praise the Lord. I just want to thank God that my kids are all angels and they all have 4.2 GPAs and one's going to Harvard, one's going to Princeton, one's going to Yale. I've never had a flu. I've never had a cold. I've never had a runny nose. My marriage is perfect. My husband does the dishes and vacuums for me and we just paid off our mortgage. We have no credit card debt and we just won the Powerball of 300 million. I'm sitting there going, wow. <laughs> wow, I can't relate to that. 
But how many of you know sometimes somebody would get up and say, listen, you know what, my marriage isn't perfect, but God's been faithful. You know what, my kids, they're not perfect, but they're coming along. Listen, y'all, I've been on the mountain, I've been in the valley, I've been sick, I've been well, I've been broke, I've had money, but I want to testify today, my God has been faithful every step of the way. Come on, somebody, I can relate to that. And we have this scripture that is so powerful, 2 Corinthians 4, 7, and I'll quote it to you today. It says, we have these treasures in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. I like that. It talks about jars of clay. What are those? Those are, those are very ordinary. A jar of clay is fallible. It can break. It has cracks and flaws, and, and it, it's destructible. It has limitations. It breaks very easily. But the Bible says that God puts treasures in jars of clay. Uh, what does that mean? If you had a treasure, you wouldn't put it in a jar of clay. I can tell you that right now. You wouldn't put the hope diamond in a jar of clay. Uh, what would you do with your treasure? You'd put it in a bank. You'd put it in a safe. You'd put it in a vault. You'd put, but you wouldn't put it in a jar of clay. But the Bible says that he puts treasures in jars of clay. What does that let me know? It means that God likes to put extraordinary things in very ordinary people like you and I. God likes to put greatness in every one of you in this building and watching on the internet. The Bible is full of examples. Hebrews 11. We all know it. It's the faith chapter. It says, I don't have the time to tell you about Gideon and Samson, David, Daniel, Samuel, prophets who by faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, shut the mouth of the lions, quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword. Watch this. It says, whose weakness was turned to strength. You know what God likes to do? He likes to take weak people and make them strong. Now when I say weakness for the rest of this morning and you watching all around the world, when I say weakness, I'm not talking about things that you can change. All right? When I talk about weakness, I'm talking about things in your life that you cannot change. Things in your life that have happened to you. You can't erase it. You can't rewind the tape. It's a part of your life. Maybe you made a bad choice. There are things that have been painful in our lives that have happened to us. I'm not talking about the things that you can change. Like, uh, Dad, sometimes people come to me and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? My weakness is overeating. Well, you know what? You can change that. Can I get an amen? So when it's 2 o'clock in the morning and the spirit of Sarah Lee starts calling out the refrigerator, amen, you just don't have to answer the call. Some people say, my weakness is greed. Well, you don't have to be greedy, amen? You can be generous. You can be a giver. You can look for ways to bless people. You don't have to be greedy. You can change that. Some people say, I'm lazy. Well, get up. Can I get an amen? Get out of the bed. Get some blood flowing. Do something beneficial for your life. And so th these are things that you can change. When I say weakness today, I'm talking about things in your life that you cannot change. It, limitations in your life or your ministry uh, that you cannot change. Uh, man, all through the Word of man, oh, I love the Word of God. How many believe the Word of God? Say amen. I love the Word of God. I believe from cover to cover. I believe from Genesis to the maps. I can believe the maps. I believe heaven and earth will pass away before one comma or one period of his word passes away. But I want you watching on the internet to listen closely to me. In Scripture, you can go from the front to the back, Genesis to Revelation. There are only two people ever in the Word of God that the Bible refers to as meek. What do you think of when you think of meek? You think of humble. You think of someone uh, that has got it under control. If I were to say, you know, Linda Rowan is a very meek individual, you'd think she's got it under control. There's humility there. She's got everything just right. She's docile. Uh, but only two people ever. Of all the thousands of people in the Word of God, the Bible refers to two people as meek. One is Jesus. How many can roll with that one? Say amen. The second one is Moses. Uh, Moses bashed an Egyptian's face in with a brick. All right, Moses was on top of the mountain, right? He came down. The Bible says the Shekinah glory was glowing all over his face. He had the Ten Commandments. He looks down there. They're all running around naked having a party. He gets mad and smashes the Ten Commandments on the ground. 
All right, how many of you know that the Israelites were the biggest, fattest crybabies in the Word of God? How many times was God going to kill every last one of them? And Moses always had to stand in between the wrath of God and say, don't kill them, don't kill them, don't kill them. And so they were crying one day because that's what they did. And they were saying, we're thirsty, we're so thirsty. And so Moses goes to God and says, hey, they're crying again. God's like, cool, I got this because I'm Jehovah Jireh. He says, just go to the rock and speak to it. That's what he said. Go speak to the rock. Could Moses do that? No, he couldn't do that. He had to walk out there and say, let me tell you what, you're a bunch of fat baby. Bam, bam, bam. And he smacks the rock three times out of anger. Water gushes out. A million plus Israelites get their thirst quenched. Let's retrace the, the activity of this meek individual. He murders someone with a brick. He smashes the Ten Commandments in anger out, out of his frustration at the Israelites' rebellion. He's told to do one thing, and he does the opposite because he's so angry, and because of that one act of defiance, he can't enter to the promised land. Yet out of all the people in the word referred to as meek, Jesus and Moses. He called David a man after his own heart. Yet when you look very closely at his life, his greatest area of defeat was moral impurity. He was an adulterer, a murderer, and a liar. But God said he has a heart just like mine. He called Gideon a mighty man of faith. But when you look at him, his problem was timidity. He was afraid. He was scared. But God said, you're a mighty man of valor. He called Peter a rock. <laughs> he was the most unstable dude in the Bible. Yeah, hey, will you pray with me, Peter? Yeah, I got you. <laughs> No, seriously, an hour. No problem. <laughs> Peter, seriously. One hour, man. No problem. I got you, man. <laughs> Did you know him? Nope. Did you know him? Nope. Didn't you know him? Didn't know him. cock a doodle -doo. It's crazy. Slicing people's ear off. But he says, you're a rock. He called Abraham the father of faith. He had so much faith, he went to his smoking hot wife and said, here's how we're going to roll this one out. We're going to lie to him and say that you're my sister so they won't try to kill me and sleep with you. How many of you are glad that sometimes God sees things that we don't see? Come on, somebody. God takes your weaknesses. God takes your flaws, and he turns them into something that can glorify him. So I want to give you today uh, just, uh, I'm not normally a three-point sermon kind of dude, but uh, for those of you watching on the internet and here at Experience Life, I want to give you today, if you're taking note, what I would like to call three benefits of our weaknesses there are three benefits of our weaknesses. The first one today is that you have a greater dependence upon God. Can I tell you, when you go through struggles, when you go through failures, when you're going through difficulties, it gives you a greater dependence upon God. Paul clearly understood this. 2 Corinthians 12.10, he said, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. He said, the less I have, the more I depend upon him. The Phillips actually says, for my very weaknesses make me strong in him. You know the story of Paul. He had a weakness. He had a thorn. He had some persistent perplexity, and it caused him pain and limited his ministry. Three times he asked God to take it away, and all three times God refused. And in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, out of the good news, he said, My grace is all you need, for my power is strongest when you are weak. Can I tell you something that we need to remind ourselves of, church, over and over and over again, is we forget to find power in our weaknesses. You say, well, I'm not in ministry. You're all in ministry. Come on, somebody. Ministry is not something that a paid staff or professionals do. Ministry is something that when you said yes to Jesus, you became a minister. And so we're going to have to find in our lives and in our hearts and in our minds over and over and over again not to forget to find power in our weaknesses. But what do we do when we have a weakness? What do we do when we have a limitation? What do we do? We do just what Paul did, and we ask God to take it away. But God refused with Paul. He'll probably refuse on some of y'all too. What do we do? We have a, a problem, a pain, a, a circumstance. We drop down on our knees and we say, God, take it away. God, take it away. Lord, remove it. Remove it. Take it away. But let me ask you this. If he is glorified through your weaknesses... If God shows himself mighty through your limitations, why would he take it away? Sometimes we have to understand that pain is a part of God's providential plan for our life. 
I'm not just talking about physical pain. I'm talking about mental pain, emotional pain. Oh, can I say this? The thorn room is the way to the throne room. You're going to go through some pain. You're going to go through some trials. You're going to go through some limitations, but it's, it's going to help you to depend upon God more. Here's number two. I'll just throw this out as a freebie. It helps you not to be so cocky. Hmm, I feel like preaching now. Isn't it amazing when someone gets a little bit of power that it kind of breeds an independent spirit? Isn't it amazing how sometimes that God will allow a, a painful moment, he'll, uh, he'll, uh, he'll allow a struggle, he'll allow something in your life to kind of knock you down a few notches. Isn't it amazing how when you go through a struggle, it's kind of hard to be arrogant, isn't it? It's kind of hard. And so, so many times you say, why is God doing this? Because maybe he needs to slow you down a little bit. Maybe he needs to get you a little bit more humble and a little bit milder in your attitude. Come on now. We don't talk about pride a whole lot, but God prays, hates pride. Nebuchadnezzar, is this not the great Babylon that I have built by my own hand and for my own glory? What happened? He didn't rob a bank. He didn't kill anybody. He just got a little full of himself. And the Bible says that God knocked him down on all fours. His hair grew out like eagle's feathers, his nails like talons, and he ate for seven years in the field with the oxen like a cow. Pride destroys the possibility of love or unity in a church. Pride is the intellectual person that shows off how smart they are, the athletic person, that, how talented they are, the person with money to show off their money when all of us were created in the image of God. You know better than anybody else, but pride whispers in your ear that you're superior. How many have ever been on a go-kart track? Raise your hand nice now if you've ever ridden a go-kart. Man, I love go-kart tracks, but you know what I hate about go-karts, Pastor? The governor. Does anybody know what that is? The governor is the little doohickey on there that makes that thing not go any faster than they want it to go. Now, I don't know about you. Maybe you've been on a go-kart track. Maybe you've been on the tracks with the tires. Maybe you've been on the tracks that have the hay bales. But there is one rule. I don't care where you go. I don't care what go-kart track that you're going to ride on. There's one major rule. Does anybody know what it is? No bumping. They never want you to bump. I'm telling you right now, then you don't need to get on that track with me because I'm putting my Bible down for a second. I'm going carnal. Why would I want to get on a go-kart track and drive the way I drive out on the road? I want to drive the way I can't drive on the road. So I'm going to get out there and be like, bam, bam, bam. I'm always a dude they're kicking off the track. Telling you I'm going to go carnal for a second. Putting my Bible down and I'm running you into the road. Running you into the wall. Running you into the hay bale. But have you ever noticed no matter how far you put that gas down, you can put it all the way down and it only goes a certain speed. And you can feel when the governor kicks in. You literally will go, and then the governor will kick in and will go, such a drag. But the governor is on there to keep you from going faster than you need to go. The governor is on there because they know that if you go faster than you need to go, you're going to harm yourself. You're going to wreck. You're going to get in trouble. Can I tell you today, experience life, God puts governors on our lives because we're going faster than we need to go and we're going to run into a wall. We're going to run into a circumstance. We're going to run into a problem and it's going to cause us pain. So what he does is he allows the human side, the weaknesses, the failures, the flaws, the mistakes, number one, to help us to depend upon him more. The second reason is so that we won't be so egotistical all the time. And the third thing, and we're going to park here for the rest of our time together, is that it expands our capacity to minister. It expands our capacity to minister. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 4 says, God comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Isn't that awesome? Pastor Don, God comforts me. He comforts you when we go through struggles so that one day we can turn around and we can give the same comfort to someone else with the comfort that God has given us. Can I tell you the cardinal sin of ministry? Don't ever do this. 
Don't ever go up to somebody in a service, in an altar time, in a restaurant. Don't ever go up to somebody and say, hey, I understand. I know how you feel when you don't. I don't need anyone trying to tell me that they understand how I feel when they don't know what I'm walking through. You can say you love me. You can say I'm praying for you. You can say I can't even imagine, but I'm standing with you. I, I'm here for you. But don't tell me you understand what I'm walking through if you've never walked through it. I find it funny that single people always want to tell married people advice and married people always want to you ever notice that you know who has a lot of advice for people with kids people that don't have no kids you need to shut your mouth you don't know what you're talking about you don't know you i googled stuff oh shut up you didn't google nothing until you wake up at three o'clock in the morning come on somebody with a screaming baby and they got it coming out both ends and their little fists are balled up and they're going ah! and you're like what do you want what do you want you don't know you don't know what they want. They're screaming their heads off. You don't know. You'll see those same people two years later finally had a baby. They'll be in a mall with a diaper bag and throw up on their shoulder just walking like this. <laughs> then they might know a little bit. <laughs> Married people always trying to give single people advice on intimacy. Hey, just hold on. God, keep your strength. Well, shut up. You get to sleep with somebody. <laughs> Come on, somebody. I just got to tell you, I'm just being honest. If you're married, that's a gift of God to you, amen? So don't tell single people, hold on, just hold on. You don't know. You got a pair of legs right next to you every night when you go to bed. You're going to tell somebody, hold on, hold on, please. You don't understand. But the Bible says God comforts us in our troubles, so that we can comfort those with the same if you're going to have a christ-like ministry then you are going to have to understand that people are going to find healing in the wounds that you take on in your life pastor when i was in my young years of ministry straight out of bible college 23 i don't know how anybody gets saved i look back at those sermons and go dear lord those poor people <laughs> because you know you're evolving and you're growing and your 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 christian walk changes and i said a lot of things and i didn't process it correctly because i was young but every time i would write a message i used to say to myself what's the most powerful way i can deliver this message what is the most dynamic way i can communicate this scripture what is the most powerful way i can say this i don't do that anymore now i say What's the most personal way I can say this? Because I believe the most personal way is the most powerful way. Did you know that you can impress people from a distance, but you can only influence from up close? And in my early years of ministry, it was all about impressing. Wanted to impress people, wanted to be on big stages, wanted to be on Daystar, wanted to, you know, share the stage with, and, and, and I wanted the applause of men and as I developed in my ministry and even walked through some very dark seasons in my own life, I realized that after a while, I need to live my life for an audience of one. Amen? It's the applause of heaven that I'm wanting. And I don't care if I never get on another program again. I don't care if I never speak at another conference again with a big name or have a big stage. I want to influence people. I don't want to impress. I want to influence. I love the Apostle Peter, he speaks to me. And out of all the people in the Word of God, Pastor Sharon, I identify with him the most. I think of that old Gaither song, I bowed on my knees and cried holy, and he's going through heaven, and he's wanting to meet all these people, but then he said, I want to see Jesus, and it's a powerful song. And I probably will definitely, without a doubt, want to hug the feet of my Savior the most, but running a close second, I got to go find the Apostle Peter. I want to talk to him. Peter was a sanguine. I'm a sanguine, if you didn't know that. <laughs> Peter was out of the box. 
Peter was an impetuistic, constantly blurting things out, always saying things before he processed them. Have you ever said something you wish you could take it back? Come on, somebody. Have you ever just said it and you're like, oh, I just wish you could get that back? Can't get it back? It's out there. That was Peter. He was constantly putting his foot in his mouth. I, I could almost imagine being there that night, him going, Thou art the Christ. <laughs> People were like, well, you're this guy. You're there. You could be. Thou art the Christ. You know, that was Peter. I, I, it just, he, he was a, a fireball of energy. He loved the Lord, but he didn't always know how to reel it in. Do you remember the story of the foot washing? Has anybody ever been a part of a foot washing? Raise your hand if you have. How many of you know that's not a party? <laughs> that's weird. It's weird and awkward. <laughs> and I'm not saying it's not powerful, Cain. I'm just saying it's weird. It's just very, listen, I've had married folks in my office that love one another, don't want to touch each other's feet, <laughs> right? I've had ladies come to me and say, Pastor, I love him. I've committed my life to him, but he wants me to rub his feet after a long day. I ain't touching his feet. And they love each other. <laughs> they love one another. Now just imagine a stranger. Now just imagine, because I know there's somebody here that would absolutely hate this. <laughs> just imagine people you don't even know, and they're down and just touching your feet and stuff. It's just very awkward and clumsy. Now imagine the Son of God that gets down on his knees like a servant. The Bible's saying, the Bible says, knowing he had all power, we forget that part of the verse. He knew. He was very aware that he had all the power in the world, but yet humbled himself. You do realize that this was reserved for servants. You do realize in biblical days, this was the lowliest of the low. And the Bible says that he wraps an apron around his waist and he gets down and he just starts washing their feet, the son of the living God. And he gets to Peter, and then Peter has to go on and be Peter. And he says, uh, you're not washing my feet. You're the son of God. You're not washing my feet. And Jesus says, Peter, if you do not allow me to do this thing, you have no part of me. <laughs> you talk about a tune-changing so then he looks at his Savior and he says, if this means we can't be one anymore, I, I can't, we can't hang out, I, I have no part of you anymore, Lord, not just my feet, my, my head, my body, Jesus, everything. And they trump up a bunch of lies and false charges against them. They have a joke of a trial. They hand him over to the Roman government. And the Bible says that Peter followed from afar. Isn't that interesting? I mean, you know, when he was walking on water and raising people from the dead, uh, it was cool to be around him. But now that it's a liability to be connected with the Son of God, it says that he followed from afar. Ever had some people follow you from afar? <laughs> I'm with you in a Facebook message privately, but they ain't with you in public. And they give him 39 lashes. They murder him. And someone comes to Peter, weren't you with him? I, I, I don't know who you're talking about. A second time, your dialect gives you away. You were definitely one of the 12. I don't know who he is. And then a third time, you were a, I don't know him. And he's crucified and Peter is a failure. But three days later, the Bible says that he defeats death, hell, and the grave. And he raises himself from the dead. And the Bible says that he appears to a few. Watch this. The Bible says he appears to a few and he says, I am alive forevermore. I'm going to be in this particular place. Tell everyone to meet me there. And Peter. Do you understand the power of that statement? He went out of his way. He knew Peter would think he was a failure. He knew Peter would say, I've ruined things. I have been such a flawed messed up person in my choices. And so he says, hey, listen, I'm alive. I'm going to be there. I want everybody to come. Hey, hey, somebody go tell Peter. And Peter comes before his Lord for the first time. 
And pastor, it's my favorite scripture in the Bible. People ask me my favorite scripture all the time, Michelle. They say, is it Jeremiah 29, 11? I know the plans, declares the Lord, give you a future and a hope. It's a powerful scripture. It's just not my favorite. Some people say, Dora, well, Acts 2, 4. Oh, surely, right? The Holy Ghost came, revolutionized the rest of history. It's amazing. It's just not my favorite. And then I have other people, Jordan, tell me, well, John 3, 16. Come on, pastor. Salvation. God so loved the world. It is unbelievable. It's amazing. It's glorious. It's just not my favorite. My favorite scripture is Luke twenty-two thirty-two, because Peter comes before his Lord for the first time face to face with the risen Savior after being the failure of all failures. Jesus looks at Peter and says, now that you've returned to me, go and strengthen your brothers. Do you understand what Jesus was saying? He was saying, Peter, I'm not so concerned with your failures as I am you using your failures to go and strengthen your brothers. Come on, somebody. God will take your thorn, thorns. He'll take your hurdles. He'll take your obstacles. And it'll help breathe hope and health and healing and life into someone else. I'm almost done, but i got to share this. I was in Rio Rancho, New Mexico, Pastor. There were about 800 people there. It wasn't a large church, but it definitely wasn't small. It was a full house. It's the third song in the worship set. I am moments from coming up on the stage, literally. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, tell everybody what happened to you when you were 11. And I remember thinking, God, come I've already worked that out with you. Tell everybody what happened to you when you were 11. I said, God, I don't even understand what will be the benefit of sharing things like that. There's not, it's not necessary. And God spoke to me and he said, how can I use you to speak to somebody else if they don't know where you've been? And so I had to call my parents. Nobody on the planet knew this. Nobody on the planet that I was aware of but me and one other person knew this on the entire globe. And I had to pull my mom and dad out of service. They probably don't even remember, but literally were in service. But I wasn't going to tell a bunch of people. I'd never told my mom and dad. Came in, put it on speakerphone. Son, are you all right? Had to be freaking out, thinking I was in an accident or something. I said, I'm good. What's wrong? What, 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 why are you calling? I'm in New Mexico. Well, what, uh, what's going What do you need? Mom, do, do you remember Ormsby Drive? Do you remember, do you remember Ormsby Drive? <laughs> you remember that? Of course we remember Ormsby Drive. Do you remember, um, do you remember that man who lived next door to us? Do you remember, do you remember him? <laughs> Son, of course. Well, he, he molested me. He took advantage of me as a child and crying and God did a neat thing on the phone and I told them what I felt like the Holy Spirit had told me to do and I hung up with them and I went and I stood in front of 800 people and I said I had a sermon today I was excited to preach it but I can't because the Holy Spirit told me to tell somebody here today that someone violated me when I was 11 years old and I just began to pour out my heart and Pastor Sharon it was like it was like it was like an atomic bomb of the Holy Ghost went off. And like a bomb of Gilead, just oil, just dripping down walls and down aisles. And hundreds, hundreds of people just started coming and falling all around the altar. People that have been emotionally abused, sexually abused, mentally abused, verbally abused, physically abused. That healing could have never taken place had I not shown the human side of ministry. And we are in a culture today where unfortunately there's not enough transparency in the pulpit anymore. There's not enough realness. I told you, people don't relate to perfection. They relate to humanity. And the very thing that the enemy thought that he would use to take you out may just be the very thing that breathes hope and health and healing and life and ministry and restoration and renewal and refreshing into someone else. 
So when something happens to you, you got two choices. You can fall down and curl up in a fetal and suck your thumb and die. Or you can get up and you can brush yourself off and say, By the grace of God, I will be the man or woman of God that he's destined me to be. <laughs> I almost fell out in the Holy Ghost. And when I made the artwork for this, I'm done, but I want to pray over you and bless you. But when I, when I made the artwork for this message, it's out on the table. Pastor, I told uh, my art guy, I said, hey, it's the human side of ministry. And Paul, which by the way, he said we were not only men, uh, human like yourselves. He also said these words, we were not only privileged to share with you the gospel, but our very lives. Can I tell you, sharing your life with someone else may be the healing that that person needs. You are the gospel. You do realize that. You may be the only church some people attend. You may be the only Bible some people ever read. You may be the only Jesus some, some people ever see. And he came back to me a week later and said, Pastor, I don't know what you want me to do. This The human side of ministry, I don't understand. He had no artwork for it. And so I said, well, let me talk to the Lord about it. So I prayed about it a couple of nights and woke up in the middle of the night one night and God gave me the artwork that's out there on the table. And it's a picture of a man, Pastor Don. And on, he's looking in a mirror. And on this side, he's perfect. Suit, tie, everything is groomed just right. But in the reflection of the mirror, He's cut, and he's bruised, and he's bleeding, and he's gashed open. Everybody tries to show their life with Christ as this. I, I think we show more of our Savior when we show this. The, you see this cut? You see the scar? You see this wound? And it's going to allow you to step into someone else's life that no one else can. We started our day with it, we'll end with it. Paul said, we're men, just human, like yourselves. And Corinthians says, comfort those with the same comfort that you yourself have received from God. With every head bowed, every eye closed, no one talking, no one looking around, you watching by the internet right now, I'd be doing a disservice to this broadcast. I'd be doing a disservice to this congregation of believers. I'd be doing a disservice to your pastor, my family, my wife, myself, to the father. I'd definitely be doing a disservice to you if I didn't ask you one probing, penetrating question today. How is it between you and God? Have you been through a struggle? Have you, have you walked through something? Are you walking through something? Can I tell you, allow God to take those bruises and those scars and that bleeding and, and turn it around to be the human side of ministry. You don't have to cover it up. You don't have to be embarrassed about it. My wife and I both have stories. We would have never dreamed, Pastor, in a million years that we would stand in front of congregation after congregation after congregation every week, 52 weeks a year, and see people coming down and receiving massive healing because I think they hear our stories and go, man, if God can do that for them, if God can take two shattered situations like that, turn it around, if God can do that for him or her, I, I know he can do it for me. But here and especially many around the world watching, I want to pray a prayer over you and I want to bless you because some of you have said, you know what, I may never recover from the loss that's been inflicted upon me. They may never say they're sorry for what they did to me. I may never recover from the loss that was inflicted upon me. I would tell you, offer forgiveness allow God to do a healing in your life maybe you're not a victim maybe you were the perpetrator maybe you made a choice maybe you were the guilty one whether you did it or it was done to you I would tell you allow those thorns and flaws and failures to be turned around and what Satan intended to make evil God would make good and he would advance the kingdom and he would further his kingdom and souls would come to know him in a personal way because of the things that you've walked through. If you believe it, give the Lord some praise all around the room. Come on, put your hands together and give the Lord praise. You watching right now and you in the congregation, in a moment I'm going to have you stretch out your hands and I'm going to bless you and pastor's going to come. Pastor Don, we don't bless people anymore and I don't know why. Uh, at our church we blessed, as many of you know, 
every single service we blessed people. Do you, you do know you can bless your day or you can curse your day. You can bless your marriage or curse it. You can, life and death. Deuteronomy, I've said before you, blessings and curses, life and death. Now choose life. You can bless your physical health or curse it. Bless your finances or curse it. So when I found out the power of words, when I found out the power of a blessing, I called my dad and said, Dad, will you bless me? He said, hey, I pray for you all the time. And I said, I know that. But I want my father's blessing on my life. I want my mother's blessing on my life. Look in the word of God. They fought over blessings. People deceived people to get blessings. They passionately sought after blessings. So put your hands out like this because you're going to receive it. My hands are forward because I'm going to give it to you. Those of you watching all over the world, put your hands out. You're watching on a smartphone or on a laptop or on fire or Apple TV or wherever you're watching from right now. Put your hands like this to receive it. And I say, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. May he cover you with his name, the name of Jesus. Father, for online and for everyone in this great congregation of believers, I bless their families. I bless their marriages and their children. Father, I bless their homes and their finances and their physical health. Father, for every outstretched hand, bless them with favor and like they've ever known. And Father, as we leave today, I pray for good reports in the future of the mighty things that you've done. Father, favor a thousand times more. Favor unlike they've ever known. And we believe it and receive it. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, come on and clap your hands and give the Lord some praise, Pastor Don. Would you come? God bless you guys. Someone say Jesus! I don't have to ask you, did you get blessed? If you have any heart at all and any openness at all, you got blessed because the Word of God has gone forth today to minister life to you. And I hope that you received that blessing. I held my hands out to receive that blessing. Amen. I held my hands out. Could you give me just a little more volume, please? I held out my hand to receive that blessing because we all need God's blessings in our life every day. Amen. Michael, thank you for, Pastor Michael, thank you for that awesome message today. Once again, the reason why we call our church experienced life is because of everything he's just spoke of here about pain, what we go through as humans. God didn't ever promise to take away the pain to take away our hurts and our sorrows or keep them from happening to us. But he promised to never leave us nor forsake us in our pains and to go with us to the end of the world. And you know, you can get bitter in your pain and get mad at God or you can let God take you through. I look back at flame on the third row there just a little over a year ago. Hopeless. 35 years of age, a stroke, dying, no hope, no one knew she was there. Three days, lying in that condition. Somebody finally found her and took her to the hospital, and it's a miracle. You don't have strokes like that and drive again and be a mother again and do all the things you do. She walks, she talks, she, she's a mother, she cleans, she drives, she got her driver's license back. Pain. Pain. When our son was 15 years of age and was killed in our church, people would come to us, Michael, and they would say, I understand how you feel. I understand what you're going through. I understood your statement. You know, as many people, you know, and just a few months later, after our son was killed, our 
my son's, our son's very best friend was drowned in an accident. And I did the service for this family. I didn't tell the mother and dad, I understand how you feel. We'd just gone through it, but I didn't say, I understand how you feel. Jesus understood how they feel. So, when we go through something, and when we were going through, and, and you know, I don't know we ever get through, you just keep going. But when he was killed through an accident in our church, and then his best friend a few weeks later was killed, and I could go on and on, I never say, you know, sometimes people will, you, you, you know, losing a child, losing a spouse, losing a mother, losing a father, they're all different. And so, you know, people will say, well, my dad passed, and so we know what y'all are going through. Well, my dad passed too. Her dad passed too, but it wasn't the same as losing our child. So whatever you may be facing today, Michael has preached the word to you today. For you to look upon the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Great I Am, the Lily of the Valley, the Bright and the Morning Star. Hold on to Him because He knows your pain. And He doesn't want you to stay stuck in your pain. He wants you to take that pain. And it, as He said in His message, that that could be the very thing that will launch you to the very next level. I believe somebody today, wow, the anointing is really present right now. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is really present right now. God wants to launch somebody to your next level, but don't hold on to the pain, give it to him because he took it to Calvary for you. Instead of getting bitter about our son being killed, instead of getting angry, we realized that's what happened. So we said, Jesus, let us be able to minister to others that has faced what we've faced, that has lost what we've lost. We knew we'd never see him again here, but we did have that hope that one day we're going to see him again. Some things you can't recover from. But you can recover inside. When I say recover from, you can't get back. But you can get yourself back. And when you get yourself back, and you got your faith in God, no weapon that is formed against you will prosper. Amen. Now, I hope you've been blessed, and I want to say to all of you today, we want to bless our speaker. Each one of you should have an envelope here in the chapel. You that's on the Internet, hold on just a minute. I want to talk to you. But each one of you should have an envelope. Now, we're going to do two things at once, and it's very simple to do this. First of all, we want to love and appreciate our guest speaker and especially you that are here to hear Michael, take advantage of this opportunity to give your offering for the support of their ministry. And when you give, we're not going to bombard you with texts and emails and try to get something from you. We're just going to have record of your gift and give it to Michael. But on here, there's a place for tithe. There's a place for offerings, missions, guest speaker, pledge and other so we normally do it this way when we have a guest we receive our tithe and offering at the same time and then you just label yours where you want it to go if you want it you that are members you want it to be tithe or you want to give to the guest or you that have come to hear Michael just put guest speaker there and whatever you give if it's five thousand dollars or a hundred thousand dollars you say, well, that's, that's big. Not really. 
Not really. That's not a lot of money this day and time. But if you want to give to their ministry, just put it there. There's a place for guest speaker. Put the amount there, and then when it's counted, every penny you give will be given to Michael Royan to take care of his ministry. You that's watching by internet, thank you for whatever app that you're watching us on today. But you can give right now to go to eoglobal.church, eoglobal.church, and there's the little place you'll see if you're on our website. You'll see that one place there. You can just click it. And when you click it, it's so simple. It's so simple. You can give that quick. You can give to the, our church. You're tied. We have people watching us. This is our church, your church. I'm your pastor. You can give that way. Or if you want to give to Pastor Michael Rowan, just designate it and he'll get it. And you that don't like to do that, you like to do it the paper way. We have one lady that says, I'm going to send you a paper. I'm going to put the name of the church on it, and I'm going to sign my name. And you take it to the bank, and they'll give you money. Well, she just did this, this that this week. She just sent us a paper, put our name on it, and put them out, and we'll be taking it to the bank, and they'll give us money. So if you... Uh, as Michael Rowan would call it, if you want to do it the old school way. I like the old school. I'm still, I, I'm still, in, I'm still in the old school. But there wouldn't be a new school, Michael, if it wasn't for us old school guys. Anyway, we want you to do your part and be a blessing. And I'm going to pray over you that bring your gift. And we like to you know, the Bible said, bring your tithes and offerings. 